0: Oh hello everybody. I'm glad to see you here. Are you ready? <laughs> okay, so we start to now talk about practicing. but my English is limited. So use the translator.
1: Can everybody hear me? Yes. If at any time you can't hear me, please wave. Thank
0: you.
1: So Sierra says we're going to talk about
0: meditation.
1: This retreat is a retreat on mindfulness meditation.
0: Satipatthana.
1: So, before we begin meditation, we're going to talk about the nature of meditation. Meditation is, on a basic level, the practice of um, strengthening the wholesome qualities in our mind. If someone has been practicing meditation for a long time, then over time, slowly, the mind must have been becoming more, uh, becoming better, more
0: wholesome. Mm.
1: And meditation is the work of the mind. In Pali, Meditation is bhavana, and bhavana means cultivation. And what are we going
0: to cultivate? What
1: What we're going to cultivate is the mind, the wholesome qualities of the mind. We're going to strengthen them, practice them so that they
0: grow.
1: Now, in practicing meditation, there's always two things at work. One is the mind that is being aware, and the other is the objects that you pay attention to.
0: So, we need to remember
1: that when we practice meditation, whatever type of meditation we practice, there's always the knowing, and that which is being known.
0: Uh, uh,
1: But that which is being known is not the purpose of the practice. The object is not the purpose of the practice. The purpose of the practice is to grow those wholesome qualities that are doing the meditation, i.e the mind that is meditating is being
0: cultivated.
1: So, when we practice um, mindfulness meditation based on the Satipatthana, we are growing the five faculties of mind. Does everybody know them? They are Sati, we can call it mindfulness. Um, samadhi, steadiness of mind. Virya, right effort. Saddha, faith and or confidence. And lastly we have Panya, which is wisdom. And uh, what we are doing in every moment that we are mindful is that we are growing these five qualities of mind.
0: The
1: nature of the mind is to arise and pass
0: away.
1: What is left behind when the mind arises and passes away, the mind leaves behind its
0: potential qualities.
1: So whatever qualities are prevalent in the mind at that time, it passes on the potential (coughs) of those qualities to the next mind that arises, and it can be good or or wholesome or unwholesome qualities.
0: So
1: So when we have unwholesome qualities that we are... Constantly um, allowing to arise in the mind, we develop a habit for these unwholesome qualities. When wholesome qualities are what are being allowed to grow in the mind, there's a word in Buddhism for them. It's called parami. So when we um, when we allow wholesome qualities to grow in the mind, we call it the perfection of the virtues. I don't know. So if we want the wholesome qualities to become stronger, if we want their potential to grow and grow and grow, then we have to practice relentlessly so that what is growing is those wholesome qualities. This is a very important point to know about the practice of meditation. And that's why we have to practice all the time. So you'll notice that the timetable here is to be mindful from the time you wake up until you go to sleep. Of course, when you're asleep, we'll leave that time alone.
0: For now. <laughs>
1: So every moment is a time for meditation, and every place is the place for you to meditate.
0: And
1: it's important to know that the mind that is practicing meditation, the way you practice meditation, also needs to be in a wholesome way. But often we can end up practicing in a way that is using greed, aversion, or delusion. Lobadosa So we're, the way we are practicing is using greed or aversion or delusion. And then we can say that we are practicing in the wrong way.
0: we are practicing in the wrong way. He <laughs>
1: says he has to remind us of this because in our lives we spend so much of our lives using greed, aversion or delusion to get things done to do the things we need to do in our lives and without really noticing it so when we come into meditate That's the tendency we bring with us, and so he's reminding us that that can be so, and we're going to try not to do
0: that.
1: Which is why Seado says when we practice, don't be fixated on just practicing. Because when we practice, what we tend to pay attention to is the objects, and then we make the objects. Our practice. But Seattle says if we become fixated on the objects, we forget how we are practicing the mind. How are we using the mind to pay attention to the objects? So, this will, in all your interviews and all following, you'll see how Seattle will talk a lot about how we practice, how we use the mind to be aware. And um, yeah. And Seattle is always listening out to hear how the yogi is practicing. Your words, the way you describe what you're doing, will reveal how the mind is trying to
0: practice.
1: And what we are going to adjust is the attitude the attitude we have towards practice, the objects, and so on. So although Siyadu warns us that, you know, it's not ideal to use, to have greed, aversion and delusion while we're practicing, Uh, it will come in because it's habitual for the mind. And the first thing we need to do is recognize if there is greed aversion or delusion operating in the way we are practicing. And so what we need to do is check often into the way we are practicing. And to know whether there is wrong or right practice going on, the other says we need information. We have to had we have to have heard. Of what is right and what is wrong, um, so that we can try to practice in the right way and we can check to see if wrong practice is happening. Everything he's saying now, everything he will continue to say, um, is just information for all of us to use in our practice while we are practicing. All this information is a component of wisdom. And Thera says when we practice vipassana, it's essential that we use wisdom as part of our practice. And information is a, comp- a component of wisdom that we use.
0: So he's mentioned
1: that every time every time that we are mindful, the five faculties work together. And in these five faculties, he would um, like to emphasize two aspects which are virya and panya. So first he will speak about virya, right effort. And he speaks about right effort because he sees that so many of us use wrong effort to practice.
0: Wrong and what
1: is wrong effort? Wrong effort is when we use greed, aversion, or delusion to practice.
0: And before
1: we go into the details of wrong efforts, sati to defines sati because it's related to right effort. Um, sati is the quality of not forgetting. Although we roughly call it mindfulness, it's actually the quality of not forgetting the present moment.
0: And
1: not forgetting the wholesome qualities in the present moment, not forgetting the right object in the present moment. That is the quality of sati. But when we try to practice mindfulness, um, we use a lot of effort to try and focus on the objects.
0: Effort is something. Effort, ah, I mean, attitude, no. So so, what attitude? Easy attitude, ah, not made. Let me say. So any attitude, ah, beautiful. Ah, maybe the attitude you know, right effort, okay.
1: But right effort, he also says, is not defined. Is not defined as putting in a lot of effort or a lot of energy to practice. Right effort is the energy of persevering, of not giving up, of patience, of persisting in not forgetting to be in the present moment, with the right object and that which is
0: wholesome.
1: Okay, Seattle says now he has some questions um, that he'd like to ask you, and he knows many of you know the answers to these questions. So he says don't give him the answer if you know the questions, but he would like the the yogis who don't know the answers, To try and answer the questions and I think there are only three of you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, now you're
1: sitting. Do you know that you're sitting?
0: Can you recognize? Okay. And
1: you're seeing. Do you recognize that you're seeing? Do you recognise that seeing
0: is happening? Are you sure? <laughs> and when did you begin to notice that seeing is
1: happening? Huh? Yes, he asked a question. When did you notice that seeing begin to notice that seeing is happening? Oh, when he asked the question. Oh, yeah. asked the question. Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't hear properly. Yes, uh, when I he am asked the question. Am That's it. But every morning we wake up, and we open our eyes, and seeing begins to happen, but we don't notice.
0: And
1: so he's giving this demonstration to show you how much effort is required to be mindful in noticing that seeing is happening, that's just how much energy you need to be present in, in the moment. Any time you notice the experience at your six senses, which are the five physical senses or the mind, um, any time you notice your experience at the, five, at the six senses, there is awareness. That's
0: awareness
1: how much energy did you know, did you need to use to notice that seeing is happening do you need to use a lot of energy do you need to focus and if you practice the whole day like that you won't be tired no and So that's all the energy you need to expend in each moment but you need to do it all day long continuously
0: it's,
1: It's not difficult to know ourselves to be aware of ourselves if you want now to know yourself you're instantly aware of yourself Not difficult Not tiring but what we don't have is the habit of being constantly aware of ourselves. We haven't made it the habit of our minds to Most of us have never ever tried to be aware of ourselves for extended periods of time. And we don't know what that experience might be like. When we have begun to practice for an extended period of time, our mindfulness becomes more and more continuous and settles into the mind and body. It's a very strange and wonderful experience. And it's strange and wonderful because we've never been there before. And it's very
0: interesting.
1: So he wants us to remember that, it, you know, on this retreat and hopefully for the rest of our lives, what we're going to do is practice steadfastly, constantly, all the time, but without using too much energy.
0: Stress, right?
1: If we get stressed by the practice, it's a sign that we, that one of the defilements is trying to practice through us.
0: <laughs>
1: when we do right practice, says, it definitely is easeful for the body and the mind.
0: <laughs>
1: Sometimes we'll find that the body is not... You know, the body has some dis ease or discomfort, and that can make the body tired. But if we're practicing in the right way, the mind can still feel quite at ease.
0: And
1: that's because when there's right practice going on, then all those wholesome qualities we spoke about, the five faculties, they're at work. And
0: when the mind is wholesome. Mm-hmm.
1: And when the mind is wholesome, by the very definition of wholesome, it is that which brings benefit and, um, to use a simple word, happiness to the mind and body. So if as we practice, we find that we're becoming stressed or tired, check in on yourself to see what defilement might be lurking. So one of the things that Siyadu asks us to do constantly is check to see if the mind and body are feeling relaxed or
0: tense. Hmm.
1: When the mind is sufficiently relaxed, Siyadu says it makes the mind alert, relaxed and alert, clear. But if there's tension in the mind, then the mind is gross. And then you'll find that whatever you're observing is also just gross. So remember that when we are practicing, we don't need to use a lot of energy in any given moment. And if you find that you are putting in more and more energy and getting tense, if you notice it, just see that. See that tension, see if you can relax again.
0: Uh, it's
1: so very important to check ourselves again and again. It's part of being mindful um, and we also spot if we're doing wrong practice quickly, especially if there's tension.
0: When
1: we want something from the practice, when we have expectations about of the practice, you'll find that you're using too much energy to practice. And then when you don't like something that's coming up in your practice, you'll find that you're also using too much energy to observe. And then you'll find that when there's delusion, sometimes you don't know what to do, and then you're trying to do something, you're also using too much energy to practice. All of these have delusion as part of them. And when there's delusion, that's it. You know, it doesn't know, it doesn't know what's... Just right. What's balance? And so, it's too much or too little?
0: Now, ten years old team,
1: And zero says sometimes we might not even be clear about what to do, and then we sort of like we're searching in the dark in the practice while practicing, trying to do something. And sometimes that can be very frustrating or You're confusing.
0: that, like that,
1: Sometimes we misunderstand the practice. We hear something and we interpret it wrongly and then we might find ourselves doing funny things in the practice. So So, delusion has many
0: arms.
1: So information is very important. And, you know, we need to use the information in conjunction with the practice. As we practice, we get information, we get information, and we practice, and then we figure out how to do it right. In meditation, we are often told to just note thinking. We get the impression that we're not supposed to think when we meditate, that thinking is not good. But Siyadu says, we need to think about how to practice, to a certain degree. If it's trying to make you agitated to think, that's not the thinking you need to do. But you do need to consider what you need to do to practice. Remembering, for example, to relax or to check whether you're relaxed or tense. All this is thinking about how to practice.
0: Mm,
1: So, thinking using wisdom, not our defilements, Siyadu says. So the wants us to notice our effort when we practice because we do have a habit of using too much energy, too much effort to
0: practice.
1: What happens when we use too much effort and energy to practice, the says, we tend to get fixated on the object. Too much of our attention is on the things we're observing and we forget to check to see how the observation is
0: happening.
1: While in fact, Siyadu says, the object is not primary to the meditation. The object is only seen in its true nature if the the mind that is meditating is um, free of Greed aversion and delusion. when it's in the right frame of mind, when there's right attitude, wisdom and underst- then and right view, then you know the objects are seen to be what they are. But if we're too fixated on the object, we: we the understanding, don't know that's
0: happening.
1: understanding, right understanding, arises in the mind that is being aware. And for understanding. And for understanding to arise, Yara says, it's the mind that's being aware that needs to be pure. The object doesn't matter. What you're observing, it doesn't have to be pure.
0: Be.
1: <laughs> but what we tend to do when we meditate is that we try to see the objects clearly. We forget to check to see whether the way we're observing is in the right way. Very subtly, for example, greed in the practice, we says, we might be thinking that we need to see the object clearly, and so we try harder to see the object clearly. That's greed at work while we're trying to practice. But when there's greed in the mind that's trying to, to be aware, then the object becomes the object of greed. It tries to see what it thinks it should see, rather than seeing what is happening as it is. So it's only possible to see what is happening as it is. When the mind that's observing, is without expectation, or aversion, or delu- delusion. So that's number one. Relaxing. Right effort.
0: Now the right view.
1: And the second thing that Siyado says is important, is right view, which is a component of wisdom, panya.
0: And
1: why do we talk about right view? It's because wrong view is so strongly embedded in all of us.
0: So wrong view
1: what is wrong view?
0: The process, the kind of process, the mental process, wrong view is where
1: we Take what is nature; these mental and bodily processes that are going on in this, in this being, uh, not this being, sorry, <laughs> in this. Um, well, these mental and bodily processes, and we think of it as me, and that's the wrong view.
0: Oh, wrong view! wrong view! I tell you, Wrong view. Wrong view.
1: But particularly when we are trying to watch the mind, when we are trying to be aware of the mind, Sierra says, if we have wrong view, if we identify with the mind, we think it's my mind, Sierra says, practice can get quite difficult. (laughs) Because when we think it's my mind, it um, supports the unwholesome. For example you have something unwholesome happening anger and you think i'm angry or this is my anger or you get upset that you're angry you think you shouldn't be angry all this is like compounding what what is happening already (laughs) and (laughs) sierra (laughs) says when we do watch this mind it's usually not very good news But if you think it's my mind, then it's going to be quite depressing.
0: And
1: if what you're observing, that which is being known, the object, is a defilement or an unwholesome state of mind, and then in the mind that is observing, there is identification, wrong view, then the mind gets, if, if it gets depressed, then that's dosa. Depression is, uh, is in the dosa family, that's aversion. Ver- a Seattle says you have it twice then. You have what's observing, that's not good. And then you have what's, what's being observed, that's not good. And no. then what is observing is also not doing it in the right
0: way.
1: All the defilements arise out of wrong view. All unwholesome states ri- arise out of wrong view. No. So it won't do to practice with wrong view, but in, in the beginning we can only bring in right view intellectually. We bring it in by reminding ourselves that this is a process, everything has its cause and effect, there are conditions and reasons why the present moment is as it is, and this is nature. This is a natural law.
0: For example, pain in the body. Seattle
1: says, um, many conditions come, in, come together for you to experience pain or discomfort in the body. And it's not always the same kind of discomfort or pain, and it's not always in pain or discomfort, um, or in a state of discomfort. So Seattle says, this is how you can recognize that these are conditions, conditioned phenomena, conditions
0: yeah, pain pain f-
1: But if we don't recognize that this, these are conditioned, that these have, this has arisen because of some things coming together in the present moment, and we think it's my body that is in pain, then we feel more pain. It feels painful.
0: He says,
1: if we think my leg is in pain, then Sierra says, what happens when the pain goes away? Does my leg disappear? No, right? So it can't be that the leg is Pain is a
0: condition in My concept.
1: So pain is a conditioned phenomena. The leg is a concept.
0: I told is a concept.
1: So, when we are practicing meditation, what we are paying attention to is the conditioned reality. We are not looking at the
0: concepts.
1: So if we can adjust our view intellectually, and remind ourselves that what is happening is a conditioned process, a process of cause and effect, um, then we might find some relief from what's happening in the moment. Everything that is your experience in the present moment is actually a result of conditions and causes In In
0: your past, in the past. Um, The
1: Dhamma or Sabhava means nature. And what is nature? Nature is just a law, a law of cause and
0: effect.
1: So we need to remind ourselves that this is what it is, nature. This is nature.
0: So, Sierra is
1: going to describe three instances in which yogis have wrong information or wrong view, or the wrong idea, and they struggle in the practice, and these are when it comes to sound thinking, and
0: pain
1: so he'll start with thinking mind he says it's natural for the mind to think that's the nature of the mind by its very definition the mind is defined as that which thinks and that which knows so that's the nature of the mind if it thinks Therefore it is mind. So say so So if you have a mind it will
0: think.
1: So we don't need to judge the mind when it thinks. It's neither good nor bad. It's just the nature of the mind. But if we have ideas that when we meditate there should be less thinking. Or we think that is better if the mind is not thinking. We think we can concentrate better if the mind is not thinking. Um, it's not so good when the mind is thinking. If we have all these ideas, then when there's thinking, we're going to, be, you know, we're going to have aversion in the way we observe.
0: Idea, Yeah,
1: he says as we practice, we'll notice all these ideas in our mind and f- and realize how important ideas are to the mind and how it holds. Each
0: moment.
1: The moment we have the wrong idea, it do- destroys the stability of our mind. It it gives us wrong practice. It causes us to practice
0: wrong. Practice.
1: But if we can acknowledge what is happening in the present moment as it is, acknowledge, which is the mind is thinking now or the mind is not thinking now. Seattle says, then we are seeing the truth of what is happening as it is in the present moment. Because whether the mind is thinking a lot or not thinking a lot, that's the nature of the mind and what's happening in the present moment. It's not our job to interfere. With the nature of what's happening in the present moment, our job is to observe and acknowledge what is happening in the present moment as it is.: We need to remember, re- realize that we're not meditating to stop thinking. We are meditating to recognize thinking.:
0: I know:
1: Because thinking is the mind, and we want to know the mind. We are practicing meditation so that we can understand the nature of the body and the mind, nama rupa, and so we want to recognize it, acknowledge
0: it. And
1: really, thinking mind is not the problem for meditation. The problem begins when we begin to like or not like dislike the thinking that's happening in the present moment.
0: <laughs> and, and why, does, why
1: does thinking uh, sorry why does liking and disliking arise? It's because of the ideas we hold in our mind, our preconceived ideas about our preferences, we think something is better or not better. And the same with sound. We judge the sounds that we hear. We judge the source from which it comes. Or if it's a bird, it's a good sound. If it's a yogi walking into the hall, they're being noisy. And these judgments are what gives us problem. The sound itself is not a problem. Sound is nature.
0: Sound is nature.
1: If there is sound and you have a good ear, you will hear.
0: Of course,
1: if you're deaf, you won't hear. So the sound is not the problem. It's our liking, our disliking that's giving us the problem. And the moment we like something or dislike something, it's starting to affect the stability of our mind. So remember that in vipassana practice, all objects are there to support our practice. Whatever we know, it's actually supposed to help us to develop awareness. We know it, so there's awareness. And if we have the right idea, there's stability of mind. And we know it as it is, there's wisdom. It's supposed to support the development of sati, samadhi and panya. If we have the
0: right idea.
1: What's the difference between someone who is practicing meditation, a yogi, and someone who is not practicing meditation, a non-yogi? They have six sense doors, and we have six
0: sense doors. yogi, yogi,
1: so the difference is that a yogi has the ability to use all the experiences at the six sense doors to develop sati samadhi and panya mindfulness stability of mind and wisdom. But if we we're not meditating or we don't have any understanding of meditation those six sense doors and their objects might give rise to greed, aversion, and delusion in our minds instead. We don't have a choice of developing
0: Satisamadhi
1: Every time we hear, we smell, we taste, some defilement, some unwholesome state or the other is arising in the mind. But because we're trying to be mindful, then we notice we taste something, maybe there's liking, but we notice. And that's the awareness. We're aware of the taste, we're aware of the liking. And the liking is the wholesome that we're bringing into the present moment. Uh, Sorry, not the liking, did I say that? The awareness is what we're bringing. The awareness is the wholesome that we're bringing into the present moment. Uh, so we want to take what is happening in the present moment as it is. So if we hear something, we recognize hearing is happening. If we see something, seeing is happening.
0: So And
1: then we come to pain or discomfort in the body or the mind. Generally we think it's a bad experience and so when we think it's a bad experience and of course there's resistance to it which is the equivalent of dosa aversion
0: but there
1: there are stories of people who have become enlightened because of pain so while watching pain that is if they had the right understanding
0: uh,
1: So what is the right understanding? Seado says, first we have to remind ourselves that this discomfort, dis-ease, or pain is also nature. It's something that we're observing. It's an object.
0: When we have the right
1: view of the object the other says we have the right idea about the object it the says then the mind is more stable it's not so resistant
0: so the
1: right having right view instantly brings samadhi stability of mind
0: we often have
1: the idea that to have samadhi, which is often translated as concentration, we think that to have concentration we must concentrate, which is why we use too much effort. But actually if we just had right view, the mind would be stable. And samadhi is just actually stability of mind or the settling of the mind. A settled mind. So if we are aware continuously, it also settles the mind.
0: So,
1: so remember this about right view and also right effort that is persistence and not using a lot of energy.
0: Uh, it and
1: remembering that the experience is just an experience that we are observing. Seattle says if we do that, Knowing what is happening in the present moment as it is, samadhi, stability of mind, is instantly there. So Sido has talked a lot about how the mind should be aware. How, right? With right view, right effort. So he's going to now explain the objects, the things that we pay attention to.
0: Definition of ayon the
1: Um, By definition, the objects are whatever we are paying attention to. Whatever we know in the present moment becomes the object. And the object is just that. It's neither good nor bad. It is just being known. Having a lot of thinking mind is object. Having very little thinking mind is object. Loud sounds are objects. Soft sounds are objects. Silence is an object. But none of it is better than another. Because objects are just objects. Pain is an object. No pain is an object. Why? Because it's something that you're knowing. That's why it's an object. If you understand this principle of something being an object, says, then we're not elated when something is there and we're not disappointed if it's not there. We're not upset if it's painful and we're not so happy when it's not painful. And that's only when we understand that the object is just an object, it's just being known. That's a, a kind of insight to know that an object is just an
0: object.
1: When we have that sort of understanding, any insight, that's when we're on the middle way. When there's right understanding, we are free of the extremes of greed and aversion.
0: So we're
1: practicing so that we understand the extremes, so that we can begin to move slowly towards the middle way. So when you sit a meditation, when you do a sitting meditation, you can choose any object that you're used to, Or want to start with because all objects are equal. Whether you choose to do Anapanasati, watch your breath, or do rising, falling of the abdomen, or anything else, none of it is better than another. Otherwise, the says, we struggle with our objects because we think it's not clear enough while some other object is claiming our attention. We're trying to go back to the object that we think we should be paying attention to. If you have a preference for an object to start your meditation with, we'll call it the anchor, um, you can do that. If um, you don't have a preference, you could just notice your whole body just being there. The boya, sensations.
0: Boya.
1: The sensations and whatever else comes to your attention. It might change, and it, that's
0: fine. Oh.
1: And for those who use an anchor, Seado says, remember that the purpose of the anchor is to um, have the awareness, but it's not to become attached to the anchor, or think that the anchor is the only way to be
0: aware.
1: You will notice that as you keep being aware, uh, more and more objects seem to become known. So you're maybe paying attention to your anchor continuously and after a while you know the mind is thinking, you know sounds, you know this and that. And that's, that just means that the mind is becoming more aware. It's a good sign.
0: <laughs>
1: we should not think that that means the mind is distracted.
0: <laughs> you,
1: you could say that the power of the Awareness or the mindfulness is growing, so it's more
0: aware.
1: So if you have an anchor, maybe you have, uh, you're watching the breath, Anapanasati. You're watching the breath and you know the thoughts. You're watching the breath and then you know a sensation or you know pain or you know something else. And that's Uh, fine. So when the mind begins to know more objects and you're someone who begins with an anchor, um, please allow the mind to expand. Allow the mind to know more objects, know that it's all right. Um, don't close the mind. Keep it open.
0: The
1: Sometimes the tendency of the mind is when it starts with an anchor, it just wants to ignore everything else. It just wants to stay within one object. It's uh, uh, comforting.
0: Uh, vipassana, vipassana, vipassana.
1: But that's not practicing vipassana. vipassana. The, the whole premise of vipassana is to understand, so it must relate to everything. It must know everything. As much as it can.
0: Yeah, that
1: our effort is just to know whatever mm. comes along. Then as we keep being aware and our awareness expands and we know more, Siyadha says, you develop this bird's eye view kind of feeling. You begin to see the condi- the conditions, the effects, the cause and effect relationships of all the things that you're observing.
0: When...
1: Awareness is truly good. Siaha says there is so much to know from head to toe. You're full of many sensations and many other things to
0: Today know. To yeah.
1: And if the mind is busy knowing, Siaha says it has no time to get lost in thought.
0: Wandering mind, so already. lost and thought, I'm
1: here Yeah. Um, talks about wandering mind. We think that if we are thinking that we're having a wandering mind, um, but Siyara says we only use the word wandering mind when we're completely lost in thought. The mind never wanders away, Sierra (laughs) says. The mind cannot go anywhere because it doesn't have a place to be. (laughs) The mind just arises and passes away, Uh, but nowhere. We might be thinking of stories in the past or stories of the future, but the mind is only thinking in the present moment. When you understand that this is mind, you realize that it is only happening in the present moment. When you think of thinking mind, Sierra says, remember your object is the mind. These are just words, but one yogi said he didn't pay attention to the thoughts, he paid attention to his mind. That's in the present moment. The story is not, but the mind is in the present moment. The nature of what's happening is in the present moment. The mind is thinking now. The story might be of the past and the future, but we're not paying attention to the story.
0: Uh, So that's pain pain. A little bit pain. When
1: we sit for a long time, we tend to have discomfort. Seattle says, um, Remember when we have pain, the first thing that Automatically happens in every mind is that it resists pain. It doesn't think that pain is the best thing to have. And Seattle says, when there's resistance in the mind, that's dosa, that's aversion, pain is not the right object to observe because you're going to be observing through the lens of aversion.
0: <laughs>
1: but if we watch anything through the lens of a b- aversion, uh, aversion will grow because it doesn't like what it's watching. So we will try to adjust the mood of the mind, so that it's more accepting that this is what is happening, and then we are going to observe that resistance in the mind. Seara says, and we can move if we need to, but he has a question about moving. Do we move because there's a pain because there is pain, or do we move because it's unbearable
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: so, um, so we don't just move when there's pain, we don't move because there's pain. we move when something is unbearable. Um, if we liked the feeling of pain, like when we get a massage, sometimes it's painful, but it's good pain. We don't want to move, right? So, yeah, we move when something feels unbearable.
0: <laughs>
1: so, says, between pain and the feeling of something being unbearable, Sya says, it's actually that feeling of something being unbearable that's more prevalent in the mind. And that's what we want to watch, not the pain, the physical pain. But that feeling of discomfort in the mind, that doesn't want to bear with it. And that's what we call watching Vedana. Vedana is feeling, but it's feeling of the mind, what the mind feels. Pain is not Vedana. Pain is Rupa. It's physical. It's a physical phenomena, right? It's the mental quality that's associated with it that's the Vedana. But Seattle does not want us to be forcing ourselves to watch the pain intolerably. You know, like you really can't take it and you're trying to force yourself to sit there. That's not what he's trying to ask us to do. He's saying when pain begins, from the very beginning, watch the mind that feels that it doesn't really want to be there. Watch that mind for as long as you can, and when it really doesn't want to be there then then move make that you know make yourself comfortable you don 't have to bear more burden than you can bear
0: <laughs>
1: and why do you do you move when it becomes unbearable when you can 't take it anymore says because you you've been observing the mind and its discomfort for as long as you can. If you watch the dis- discomfort in the mind past the point that the mind finds tolerable, at that point, you're not just observing anymore. It's the dosa in the mind that's growing. And we don't want to practice to just grow dosa or yeah, aversion in the mind. ma. <laughs> So don't bear burdens that you can't bear. Sierra says, um, challenge yourself to watch the mind that is uncomfortable for as long as you can. A little at a time. The other
0: extreme
1: extreme is uh, not trying to do that. You you don't try to watch the discomfort in the mind. There's a little bit of pain. You say, okay, and you just uh, decide to to move, to make yourself comfortable. So to constantly be trying to make yourself comfortable is the other extreme.
0: <laughs> but that's not really <laughs> trying to practice. <laughs> I,
1: we're just running away, trying to avoid <laughs>
0: <facing>.
1: <laughs> So we want to face it for a while. If we can't bear it, we, we retreat. We'll come back to it another day.
0: <laughs>
1: we face <laughs> it a little at a time, slowly, more and more. As much as we can. And remember that when we're watching the discomfort in the mind, we're also developing the habit of, the the practice, the skill of how to recognize the mind and and know the mind. The easiest way to recognize the mind and to, to be aware of it of the mind is through watching feelings and
0: thoughts, or thinking mind. <laughs> and Sira says,
1: whenever we walk, it's walking meditation. Um, and he doesn't want us to slow down, nor does he want us to speed up. He just wants us to do what is natural for us. How would we be in a place like this um, normally, usually? And that's how he wants us to move. Because we want to understand nature, we have to move naturally.
0: So, experience, control.
1: Mataji says, don't control the experiences, the things that you're observing. Don't control that.
0: Yeah, let it be. The
1: only place you need to put your effort is into the mind and how it's being aware. Persistently, continuously.
0: We're so used
1: to um, manipulating everything in our daily lives to, you know, to suit us, the other says, but we want to really try and refrain from that in meditation. We want to see what's happening as it is, um, and not control the experience, not have it how we think it should be. So the beginning yogi has only three real things that the yogi needs to do, Seattle says, in a nutshell. First we have to have right view. We must have right view and have the right idea about what we're experiencing in the present moment.
0: And
1: that is that everything is nature. That's right view. So number one is right view. Number two is to then be aware of what you have, yeah, what you know. And number three is to continue being aware with right view. Maintain that.
0: Keep it going.
1: So there's only three things to do. Right view, be aware, continue to be aware with right view. So often yogis come to him and ask in in interviews, "Uh, I've done this, this, this and this. What should I do next? And Siyadu's answer is always, Continue.
0: (laughs) To be aware with right view.
1: He's already said practice is cultivation. Meditation is
0: cultivation.
1: And what we're cultivating is awareness. So for awareness to become very strong, we have to keep cultivating awareness. We have to continue to be aware. When awareness becomes strong enough, it will do its own work. And... In all the rest of our activities, which we have, Sierra says, um, remember that they are equally important. They are as important to meditation. The Dharma Hall is not the only place to practice meditation. Seada says, our minds, our mental states should be the same. The way we are aware and pay attention, our commitment to awareness, should be the same whether we're washing dishes or sitting in the Dhamma
0: hall. There's
1: lots of places to walk here, Seado says, so walk freely. But don't walk slowly.
0: When you be
1: When you eat, please be mindful know whether you move your hands or your feet, know whatever you can know. As much as possible, as much detail as possible. If you can know that you're blinking your eyes, know that.
0: When
1: we we eat, all our six sense doors are very busy. So there's a lot of Awareness that can happen. Seeing and looking, so much seeing and looking. Seado says we do need to make a habit of recognizing seeing and looking.
0: Is
1: seeing and looking the same thing?
0: What's
1: the difference between seeing and looking?
0: Uh,
1: Attention, somebody said, paying
0: attention.
1: How many times do we look in a day?
0: <laughs>
1: How many times have we noticed that we look in a day? <laughs> we
0: don't notice. <laughs>
1: he says, if we want to practice at home, we should at least get this in our pocket. You know? <laughs> yeah. Because we <laughs> look
0: and <laughs> see all
1: <laughs> He says, before we move to do anything, we look. Whether we want to place something, put something down, pick something up, open a door, move to walk, we look. So we really need to pay attention to our eye-sense door. Seattle says we can have practiced a long, many, many years, he knows that a lot of us aren't don't really notice that the eye sense door even exists.
0: So Some yogis say
1: to him, Shadow, I don't dare to open my eyes because when I open my eyes, my samadhi
0: disappears.
1: Ah,
0: says, but that's a really useless samadhi. <laughs> <laughs>
1: because because that sort of samadhi is, is, is built on just paying attention to one object while your eyes are closed. So the moment we open our eyes, our, the attention to the eye-sense door naturally for the mind is so strong. So much visual impact comes to the mind that the mind is distracted from that one object it was watching with the eyes closed. So then it can't maintain that samadhi. But that's not a useful useful
0: samadhi for vipassana practice.
1: So we must have samadhi whether we have our eyes open or we have our eyes closed. Samadhi should be with us.
0: Then
1: you can say that you have samadhi because it's always
0: there.
1: If the samadhi disappears just because you open your eyes, then it's really use, pretty useless since we have to function with our eyes open.
0: Yeah,
1: He says, then we have to sit all the time because the moment we get up, we lose samadhi. It's not very helpful.
0: <laughs>
1: so Seattle thinks that's enough. Do you think that's enough instruction? Yeah.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah
1: says if he says too much maybe you'll forget everything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: If you have any questions you might want to ask
0: them now.
1: <laughs> if you find anything he said confusing or maybe I translated it wrong, please ask the question. Because um well your interviews start tomorrow and for the third group the day after. Any questions? Yes. So are the instructions for walking meditation to pay attention to whatever you notice or to bring the attention to the walking itself? The me thou, the reta mla, the cuckoo pomaseco tamla, zinyam. Could
0: the diabama mudi go? You can
1: can do either depending on what you feel comfortable with in the moment. When you say you are aware of whatever you notice, it still has to be something in the mind and the body. Um, If you find it comfortable just to walk and then just pay attention to yourself in general, and just notice what becomes noticed of your own experience, that's fine. If you find that too, you know, wishy-washy in the beginning, and you want to settle on something first to just help you anchor, you can do that. Some people start by knowing them, the movement of their legs, um, touching, or touching the touching of the balls of the feet as you walk whatever all
0: the heels the instructions the very simple
1: but the instructions in the satipatthana sutta are very simple it says when walking know that you're walking
0: that's all it says
1: Even if you just start with knowing this one sensation in your legs, Siara says, if you are gently and persistently and mindful for an extended period of time, you'll find that slowly the awareness of the sensation starts to uh, grow, and you will start knowing how it feels throughout the body, not just in that one place you began
0: with. (laughs) As-
1: Sierra does want to remind us. Sometimes we think that we only need, we only should know one thing at a time, but sometimes we begin to know two or three things at the same time, and that's fine too. And uh, when that happens, Sierra says, don't try to follow them one at a time. Just know that all is, everything is being known at the same time. Yeah, so long as you recognise there is awareness, you check that. Am I aware? Yes. Yes, it's just the awareness that needs to keep going. (inaudible) The objects are secondary, right? It can be one or two or three or more objects, it doesn't matter. The objects
0: (inaudible) are secondary.
1: The awareness is, is essential. And depending on the power of the awareness, the way the objects are seen will change. Yeah? There was another, yes? If you notice, um, desire, aversion, yeah. or something.
0: So I mean, you know, let's say I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm outside walking, and then I hear a moo, and I feel a desire like to go watch the cows. mm mm-hmm.
1: So should I, um, you know, should I just do what I want as long as I'm aware, you know, watching mm-hmm. the mind and its
0: reactions? Right. Or is it, you know, where's the, where does the line go between, mm-hmm. you know, feeding
1: aversion or greed? <laughs> and and you know, yeah. I if don't know, do you understand. Yes. If you're out walking and you hear a moo and you want to go and watch it, should you or should you not when you draw the line? Okay, I'm just repeating for the recording, sorry. <laughs> um, limit
0: ko am mm. so lite yeah. no so Sarah prefers
1: that we learn about how the mind works. So first, you know, you hear you hear a sound. Then there's desire. You know desire, and then you're going to do what you know. Siyadu says, knowing the limit is about recognizing whether what you're going to follow is going to be dangerous or not, if it's harmful or not. If it's definitely going to be something harmful, you don't follow that greed or aversion, you know. But if it's something that is pretty innocent like this, says, then you you do that. But you continue to be aware, watching and learning about the way the mind operates.
0: Right?
1: Siadu says if we say, if he says just don't do anything, then we don't learn anything either. Right?
0: We can't live life like that.
1: But what we want is for learning to happen, right? Because learning brings understanding. But we have to keep up that effort to be constantly aware so not lost in what we were wanting to see or know but really that that really strong effort uh, i won't use the word strong effort but that persistent you know awareness
0: yeah. Yeah, so the the
1: effort has to come completely be directed to maintaining
0: awareness yeah okay He says,
1: if we keep up that effort to remain aware, Seado says wisdom will be there because to go and see the cow and you have to continue being mindful, Seado says, you can't be, you know, just entertaining yourself because there's that always watching yourself. So some learning will happen. So we must always remember why are we being aware. Right? And why are we going to see the cows to continue to be aware, you know? Yeah, like <laughs> why are you...
0: <laughs> why, are we,
1: why are we being aware? <laughs> are you being aware because the teacher says you should be aware? <laughs> Probably, no.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> why are
1: we being aware? There are two options, Sierra says, in being aware.
0: Information sura,
1: yeah. No, Not option, sorry. There are two things that happen when we are being aware, Sierra says. First, when we are aware, the mind gets information. Second, that wholesome quality of awareness is being cultivated.
0: Information knowledge.
1: And information gathering. Um, feeds into understanding, into wisdom. And cultivating awareness also feeds into wisdom. Uh-huh. Should we Okay now I'm, what do you mean apply intention intention comes in the mind why do you use the word apply Well I think um, do you mean should you intentionally try to remember Yeah Are you saying should you remember to notice the intention? Yes. Okay.
0: Intention will be around. It's a very important thing. It's a very important thing. No, it's a very important thing. Planning
1: will be around. Planning will be around. Planning will
0: planning
1: around. Planning
0: will be around. Loaching will
1: be Yeah. See, says, if you can notice it, you should notice it. Because it's there. It happens whether you know it or not. Right?
0: Yeah. Intention will be around.
1: Okay, let's do this. <laughs> For many years, all of you have heard me translate this, and it's about the word "intention." And um, although in Burmese we still use the word it sounds like intention," but there's another word we use. It's sort of like um, "volition or arousing" and arouse, something that arouses energy. So I'm going to differentiate so when we want to do something, we begin by thinking of doing it. And Seattle's always called that the planning mind. But I know in other meditation systems, they call that the intention. And in English, it is correct. That is the intention. You intend to do something. That's the planning mind. You intend to do something, so you do it. So I'm gonna stop trying to do what I did before and reinvent the definition. And um, so we'll just call that the intention. So the, the thought, the desire to do something that precedes a movement, we'll call that the intention. Simple. We intend to do something, that's the intention or the planning mind, and then we do it. So I'd like to walk. And then you get up and you start walking. And then Seattle says, there's something else that happens that we don't all notice. Some yogis do, but very rare. That is that after you've had the thought, that intention, Seado says, then there are all these mental energies that arouse that action. Okay, That's part of volition of the five aggregates, part of the Sankaras. And this volitional energy, it's always there in our body and our minds. Without that volition, we could not remain still and neither could we move. So um, those volitional energies um, constantly... Um, pay heed to what your intentions are, and then they affect our intentions. Um, so say you want to move your hand, you think, I want to move my hand, and then you're moving it. So throughout that movement, there is a mental energy that's moving your hand, but we don't see it, right? So that, I won't call that intention anymore. I used to. <laughs> so that's just a mental energy that, mo- that creates movement, okay? And then Seattle also explains... Um, the the warring of different intentions in the mind so he gives the example of a yogi sitting meditation and then deciding to get up from sitting meditation and we've had this before where we think oh i'd like to get up now and then we continue to remain sitting and seattle says that's because what we don't notice is that we have one intention to get up and that's not very strong but the intention to remain sitting is stronger And those volitional energies, they're following. So some of the volitional energy is is remembering that it wants to get up, but a lot of the volitional energy is with that mind that is strongly intending to remain sitting, right? Um, So if, and again, Seattle always says, he gives information so that when we have the experience or when we notice that um, experience, we recognize what it is and we have a way to describe it. It's not for us to uh, intentionally try to find it. So don't search for it. Don't look for it. Know that this is this is there. It's possible to know it. If you don't know it, it's fine. Yes. Yes. Uh Mm-hmm. So that um, uh, yeah, so i can be split, remain and in the and there's an attitude of that can affect my intention, energy. Does that make sense within the so that's my experience. Mm-hmm. But does that make sense within uh how that works? <laughs> 嗯, to yoga, John, to a Zakane Zakane, look at it, na, that, to a Sweezy Achie, to Sweeb, to Swee, and to Sweejeman, let it be a meant to seek a yane, Nara, she to seek a yane, bro, to a SZ Sweet, who, uh, yeah. um, yes it's part of it. Seattle reminds you that if you notice any aversion or resistance to to watch that and if there's not because you said there was a stillness then to um, yeah, just to notice what is there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and of course, the, the element of kindness coming in is just another quality, another wholesome quality being part of the mix of what's happening in the moment. And yeah, whatever you can notice in the moment, just know.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: whatever we do, it's to do it with awareness. So that's what you're doing, right? You you know what's happening as you move, and and you know the process. So that's that's right. That's all you have to do. Sorry, I didn't repeat that for the recording, it was too long, <laughs> yeah, yes. If you have a particular object that seems to be called your awareness for prolonged period of time. If you have a particular what? Object. Object. <laughs> <laughs> for me it's quite gross, it's quite, it's quite, a lot of energy in that object. Mm. Um, I, I feel like I'm relaxing or allowing myself to stay with it for a longer period of time. Yeah. When you say prolonged, do you mean years? Almost. That that every sitting that's what you're doing? It kind of gravitates towards a kind of sensitive experience. It's got an obsessive way to it as well. So I feel that in the object, but then I'm I can't always distinguish between how that obsessive this is affecting my wish to observe it as well. Right. Are you uncomfortable with that object? Okay. Um, and and there's, a, there's a view creeping in around. Well, that's quite one dimension. That's quite, you know, that's quite, quite static. the my I 哎,我来, sick,我要, yes,我想, sick, I, 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 I,
0: one-dimensional <laughs> there's
1: two reasons why the mind gets obsessed or fixated with an object. Um, one is, Siata says, when the mind likes an object a lot or dislikes an object a lot, then it constantly, like, bounces towards that object, and then Seara says, if you allow that uh, interaction to continue for a long time um, without understanding it, what happens is it becomes a habit. So then the mind is constantly going to that object um, out of habit as well.
0: I I I I na I I I
1: yeah,
0: there uh, was,
1: yeah. was an object that Seattle himself used for many, many, many years um, because, but it was a neutral object so he didn't have any push or pull towards the object but he used it as a constant companion for so many years that when he gave up using it as uh, you know, his, his, compa- his constant like anchor or whatever Seattle says when he began oh. to know other objects Seattle says that would always be there like at the side of his mind, being known, but it did cause tension or or, or tension, difficulty because um, you know it it just also reminded him that he was aware while well, he was aware of everything else. Um, but if you feel any tension when you know you say your mind goes away from the object, and so then it shows that there is some. Um, element of um, attachment, so attachment is not just liking, liking and disliking are both attachments, so there's some element of attachment um, involved in the object that that your mind goes to
0: <laughs>
1: so when this object comes up, Seattle says when this ob- I mean it's always coming up for you, Seattle says, uh, keep your attention more on the mind its attitude and how it's feeling, um, ignore the object. The mind might be there, of course it's there, but you don't pay any more attention to the object than the mind is doing it on its own. Your attention, your awareness is solely directed towards knowing what the mind is feeling or reacting yeah. or thinking. Okay. Yes. to bring it in intellectually, yes. yes. And in one of the pamphlets we've been given time, yes. this time, there's a differentiation between nature mm-hmm. and knowing. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder if there's not a differentiation. We can view it either as nature or as being known. Uh, yes. <laughs> No, but they, um, so nature is, he explained just now, the right view, knowing cause and effect, I don't know. Mm. No, um, and that something is being known is to understand that it's an object. Uh,
0: understanding,
1: them, you know, understanding. Them. Both of them are at the level of insight, but we can, at an intellectual level, try and feel into what that principle is. Whatever you find easier to feel into, use that in the moment, because at di- in different moments you might find different ones more accessible. Yeah. Yeah, Seattle says when we use these um, um, ideas about right view or that something is just an object, and all Seattle says, uh, we really need to think about how we feel about them and how we understand them already. Um, it's not just for us to like, repeat in our heads, oh, this is nature, this is nature. You know, Not sort of chanting, Seyedra says, but to actually feel our own understanding of it, says. And in any moment, we might have a different level of understanding of it. And you'll notice that the more understanding you have of it at any time, that's when you find it more useful. So sometimes you'll use the same thing, and you find it's not really working, because at that time, it's not as effective you know, yeah, it just changes.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Enough today, he said. (laughs) We just have to keep practicing. So he'll see you tomorrow, beginning tomorrow. Thank you for listening.